0: I'm Sierra Goodwill, Patriots Insider for CLNS Media, inviting you to subscribe to our New England Patriots Press Pass podcast. Alongside myself, Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, and Mike Petralia, we provide inside access to the six-time Super Bowl champions from inside Gillette Stadium and everywhere on the road. Our credentialed insiders provide instantaneous news and analysis, as well as access to full press conferences from Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft, and everyone else inside Patriots Place. Make sure to subscribe to New England Patriots Press Pass wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Hey everybody, it's Drags. Wednesday, October 23rd. Time for episode 321 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter as always, at Patriots CLNS. This week... I welcome back for the first time this year Patriots beat writer and columnist and old friend Ryan Hannibal doing his great work for weei.com. Find his work uh, at weei.com and on Twitter at, all one word here, Ryan Hannibal, R-Y-A-N-H-A-N-N-A-B-L-E. What's up, old friend? What's up, It Was good. Good seeing you uh, a couple nights ago at Matt Wife for the Patriots Jets game. I
0: haven't really seen you in a while, but our, our seats were pretty close to each other and brought back old times.
1: Yeah, I don't really go out of my way to say hi to you at Gillette. I, no, I really you don't, don't. You keep, you keep to yourself. <laughs> I do. You know, happiness is an empty room, Ryan. I've I, always I've said that.
0: that. I've heard that a few times.
1: <laughs> um, so I got to tell you, uh, and I was just telling you this a few moments ago uh, off the recording that. Um, I thought Monday night was going to be a game. I I really did. And shame on me, because what I saw Sam Darnold put out there and Adam Gase and uh, the whole JET organization, that was just uh, beyond embarrassing. And actually, a friend of mine, a JET fan, a lifelong JET fan I went to Villanova with, um, asked me, what was worse, the butt fumble game uh, in uh, Thanksgiving 2012 or Monday night? You know what? If I can put the two games side by side, Monday uh, the Butt Fun Fumble game had comedic value. Last night was pathetic. That's the way I would uh, compare the two games.
0: I, I would agree with that. I think you know, last night was, like you said, embarrassing for the Jets organization from top to bottom. You could go really up to the non-football people. Whoever agreed to have Sam Donald mic'd up by ESPN—that was really bad. Then the on-field product was just as bad, and that's coaching, too. I thought Adam Gase had a really poor performance. He couldn't scheme anything up for Sam Donald. Then the offensive line was terrible. The story of the game was Sam Donald and and just what a a disaster the Patriots' defense forced him into. And I don't think many people saw it coming, but maybe that just shows just how good this Patriots' defense really is.
1: You know, there are quarterbacks that last night reminded me of, uh, one being Andrew Luck, meaning quarterbacks who get in over their head against the Patriots then they start swimming in quicksand and they're dead in like 10 minutes
0: yeah I think there could be something said for that I thought that even the way that Gates called the game he didn't really call much conservative plays after the the struggles early on like clearly Donald was you know completing some passes when he was rolling out and, and you know having passes throw on the run but he just seemed to Go with the same stuff, just have him stand back in the pocket, try to read the defense, and that wasn't what Sam Darnold was good at last night. Like you said, he was seeing ghosts, and he had no idea what he was facing, and, and that led to all those turnovers. So if you're looking at the game from, from my perspective, I thought a lot of it fell on Adam Gase for just doing a horrible job and putting Sam Darnold in some
1: really bad spots. All right, enough about Monday night. The game sucked, but the Patriots are 7-0. Um, I think, you know, By all rights, they should be 8-0 going into Baltimore uh, for that Sunday night game uh, at M&T Bank Stadium. I think they're going to handle Cleveland. I just don't see Baker Mayfield as incredibly inconsistent as he has been this year coming to Gillette Stadium and beating this Patriot defense. I don't see it. So enough about the on-field for now. How pumped do you think Patriots fans should be about Mohamed Sanu?
0: Uh, a little bit tempered. I mean, yes, it's, it's a nice move, but it's not like a guy that's going to completely change the offense and turn their offensive identity around. Like, it's not like a playmaker like Antonio Brown was. Like, sure, it's it's a nice piece to have. It's another veteran for Tom Brady to throw to. It's a guy that can take some pressure off some of the wide receivers right now, like Julian Edelman josh gordon phil dorsett so he's just a complimentary piece and i think it was a move that needed to be done but i think that the expectations could be a little bit high with him coming in where everybody expects him to be this you know 100 yards a game type player just because of the hype that he's got so i think it's a nice addition
1: but not something that's going to like drastically drastically change the outlook of his team okay let me take that a step further how much of this was made to uh pacify tom brady uh, probably a good percentage.
0: I think just, you know, listening to Tom talk basically since the start of the season and his reluctance to work with younger receivers and, you know, how you know basically negative he's been towards the offense, I think they felt like they needed to make a move. But I guess, you know, looking at Monday night, Jacoby Myers had the best game of the season. Five catches on five targets. Going back to the game, it was the Giants. Nine catches on his last nine targets. So their chemistry seems to be developing. So I guess... You know, Maybe if Tom saw this coming, maybe he didn't push for the move for Snu, But either way, you can never have too much depth at the wide receiver position. So it's not a bad thing to have Sanu in the mix. And it'll be pretty interesting to see how they sort of shake out the roster because I can't see them carrying seven wide receivers with the addition of Sanu and also Nikhil Harry still on IR activated to return. So they have some sort of decisions to make over the next couple of weeks to see how they want to move forward in that position.
1: Glad you uh, actually mentioned that, Ryan, because um, you wrote about it uh, on uh and you mentioned the fact that there's a scenario where because of the addition of Sanu, there is a chance that Nikhil Harry does not get activated off IR, and he is eligible to play uh, in that Ravens game uh, uh, the first weekend in uh, November, the Sunday night game. He would still that would be Harry would still count as one of two players coming off IR because because they've already he's practiced he's been at practice so correct he,
0: he, he counts and so they they have one guy left and by all accounts that's going to be Isaiah Wynn. so we'll see we'll see how how it plays out like I said that's one scenario I'm not saying that it's definitely going to happen but I just think when you look at who is at the right receiver position, and sort of what you know you're going to get out of those guys, and you don't really know what you're going to get out of Harry, it might prove to be a case of Jacoby Myers or Nikhil Harry. And based on what we've seen right now, and also
1: back in the preseason, I'm taking Jacoby Myers. I love what I've seen from Jacoby Myers and I'll tell you, you know, he made two or three catches on third down on Monday night that were very impressive. The one to me that stuck out was where, uh, it was outside the numbers towards the sideline and Josh McDaniels, uh, made a point of referring to this on his uh, conference call on Tuesday. The hands that Jacoby Myers has are, are as strong as any young receiver I can remember on the Patriots in recent memory.
0: See, I had another one that stood out to me. The one that he sort of saw that they were playing zone over the middle, found the soft spot that was enough to get the first down. And Tom Brady found him right there. Like that was to me like the the play that showed me that he understands the Patriots' offense. He trusts Tom Brady. Tom Brady trusts him. And and that was a play that you know said to me that that they're clicking. And that's more of a, a mental thing as opposed to the physical you know catching ability that you, there. you said. There, I, I totally but, yeah. But, go but, ahead. But it just shows how much progress Charlie Myers has made in this offense and his ability to contribute so that that's why in the snare I said I would take Myers over Harry
1: yeah and I think those are both great points um that, that you make there uh, I think that um the reason I pointed to that catch the, the athletic catch is how many times over Tom Brady's tenure have we heard about his desire to want Receivers who compete for the ball. Compete for, a, either compete for a 50-50 ball or compete for a ball that's in a very difficult place for the receiver to catch, but only the receiver can get to the ball. And that's the play that I thought for a rookie Jacoby Myers made, uh, early in that game that, that stood out to me. But certainly your point about, uh, the mental aptitude and showing Brady he understands, uh, the, Intellectual aspect of running routes and differentiating between man and zone. That's also a, a terrific point as well. We're speaking with uh, Ryan Hannibal. He, along with Andy Hart, who, by the way, here's a uh, preview, uh, will be on yep. the Patriot Speed Podcast next week. So it's back to back. weei.com dot uh, com hosts here on the Patriot Speed Podcast powered by CLNS Media, but uh, you guys, both of you, host the Off Day podcast on WEI and uh, WEI.com. How is that going? It's going good when Andy lets me talk. He kind of talks a lot and rambles that, on and yeah, on Yeah, that's on. his TV background, though. You know I know,
0: that. I know. So I think I've improved a little bit on getting some, some words in and, and making my points, but oftentimes I feel like I have to
1: like almost raise my hand and say, hey, I
0: have a point, I'd like to talk.
1: Well, but that's Andy, why you've got to rudely, like I just did with you, you've got to just jump in and say, whoa, 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 whoa.
0: I've, I've tried, and I've realized it's sort of what I have to do and manners to go out the window with him. And, and it is it is a podcast, so I guess anything goes. But and I like Andy a lot. Really good good to work with. Funny guy, jokes around, doesn't think himself too seriously. We can talk about the team. Really, anything we can debate back and forth, doesn't take things too seriously. And
1: just a good guy to have um, for our, for for the podcast. It's been good. Again, speaking with Ryan Hannibal, of dot com, follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hannibal, all one word. The football season is most certainly in full swing. Get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. They're simply the best in the industry. Sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or even professional football every spread every total every winner or even loser straight bet parlay or tease your way throughout the entire season you can bet on wild proposition bets something like after jay gruden was fired by washington last week who will be the next head coach to get the axe, and will the Dolphins win a game? I I like to think uh, the Bengals might be in that conversation as well, uh, heading down the season uh, as we uh, approach the midway point of this season. I think that, and the Dolphins and Bengals, by the way, Ryan, they play on December twenty second.
0: Uh, Go it, get your tickets now. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you, we're, we're going to be in town, uh, I think, with the Patriot game uh, the week before that, as a matter of fact. December 15th. I cannot wait for that. Get the fastest-to-market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today. Or you can also use your mobile device, convenient enough, to join and use the promo code clns fifty. To receive your 50% welcome bonus, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back with weei.com's Ryan Hannibal. Okay, explain to me, why is Jimmy Garoppolo having a better season than Tom Brady?
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. I I didn't phrase it like that. I said I would take Jimmy Garoppolo right now over Tom Brady. And, yes, it was sort of a a hot take, made the rounds around Twitter, got some some quite a bit of backlash, but I expected it when I said it um see I don't think it's that big of a gap like I'm not saying that you know Garoppolo's way way better than Tom Brady and it actually came about on uh with Mike Mike Monansky at mud at night where I was ranking the quarterbacks in the league and I said that I didn't think Tom Brady was a top five quarterback and I said that he was probably in the five to seven range and I had him at six and I had Garoppolo at five and so that's where that all started and you know I, I just look at the Garoppolo, is athleticism, he, he's able to you know make some throws on the move. He's you know made some throws down the field. I just think you know Brady's thrown some uncharacteristically poor interceptions this year, and that's sort of where I came to and So I'm not saying that you know it's it's this like surefire thing. Just that that's what I said in that given night, and I guess I still believe it.
1: You know, I don't think it's a terrible take. You want my position or my uh, read on Tom Brady's season so far? Let's I think he has had great segments of games, great moments during uh, the 7-0 and start to this season. Uh, you take a look at Monday night, the way he started the game like a house of fire. He was, what, 8 of 9 on the opening drive for like 55 yards. Uh, yeah, laser, 4 for 4 on third down. 4 for 4 on third down, exactly. Uh, you know, And he engineered that 16-play, 75-yard, 78-yard scoring drive to open the game, and I think... You know, that was as good as Tom Brady has been in rhythm, certainly as good as he's been to start a game this year. I would agree. And that,
0: that was sort of the way that I think Joshua Daniels dialed it up. They, they ran a number of different packages at the Jets. They, you know, ran the ball with – jumble packages with Tomlinson and Watson at tight end. Then they got the wide receivers involved. They picked up some some third down plays. And that, that was just sort of a, a set-the-tone opening drive. And a number of the guys talked about it after the game. And that just that set the tone for the game. It was important to do that on the road against a divisional opponent. Um, another point, I guess, to the offense, I thought it was interesting listening to Brady before the game with Jim Gray for Westwood 1 basically acknowledged that he's changed expectations for the offense going into this game with that mini buy. just sort of realizing that this offense isn't, you know, an offense that's gonna put up 35, 30 points a game and, and they're more reliant on their defense. And maybe this is gonna be a year where it's like the early two thousands where Brady's more of a game manager type where they rely on the running game, not making mistakes and you know, putting it all in the hands of the defense to win these games, you know, twenty one to seven, twenty one to thirteen, just sort of a new look for the offense and sort of maybe lower Tom Brady's expectations because we've seen how frustrated he's been to start the year. And maybe if he realizes you know, that this offense isn't expected to score 30 points, maybe we'll see a different mindset from him.
1: At this point of his career, do you think it matters that he would, in terms of his prestige or image, um, take a backseat to the defense if they have another run to the Super Bowl? Do you think he's cool with that at this point? I
0: kind of think so, just because of everything he's accomplished, and ultimately right now it's about getting that another Super Bowl ring, and and maybe that's the way that he wants to go out. Like, yeah, sure, ultimately he wants to be the guy throwing the ball 45 times a game for 300 yards and four touchdowns every time he takes the field, sure, but he's already done that. Like, he, he doesn't need to prove to anybody that he can't do it, and I think you know, based on what they have right now. Like it's not like they're gonna go out at the trade deadline and acquire, you know, three more receivers on top of a new. So they just or, you know, bring back Robert and Kelsey. So this offense just doesn't have the potential to be an offense where he can do that. So I think he's, you know, left with what he has and I think that he's gonna be okay with, with going this way as long as it, it leads to winning and right now it has.
1: I think the Adam Schefter stuff was kind of a whole bunch of nothing before the game. I think, you know, I don't disagree with Adam's point that, you know, yes, Tom Brady has sold his house in Brookline, and Alex Guerrero sold his house, and maybe he, you know, both of them are going to move to Connecticut, and, you know, they're going to be closer to New York City, and um, also that Tom Brady, uh, as people in the known uh, are aware, has a voidable contract after this year with the Patriots, but... I don't think ne- that necessarily means he's not going to be in New England to finish his career. I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel comfortable making that jump. However, I would counter that with saying that usually Adam Schefter doesn't tweet or talk about things like that randomly. There, there had to have been an impetus to him saying that in the pregame show Monday night. Well, that's what I was. Just- I gonna say, I'm with you. Where you
0: really can't, like, with based on everything that he presented and everything that we know, it's hard to make that jump and make that leap to just assume, based off those couple factors, that he's not gonna return. But then you have to think who this is coming from, and it's Adam Schefter, who usually he's he's not a guy that just throws things out there. Usually it comes from somebody of the know, and and we should point out that he was at MetLife Stadium on Monday for the game, working for ESPN. Uh, he has a good decent relationship with Tom Brady, his agent Don Yee, and even the Patriots. So I think that he's probably heard from somewhere and maybe this is the case of him not wanting to necessarily reveal you know where he's getting this information from and just sticking to what the facts are where he's basically leading you to believe you know that what he what he thinks based on reporting and knowledge but doesn't want to give that away and is just going off of what the facts are and letting people make their own conclusions there so like you said you have to read into adam trepter because he's not a guy that just throws things out there against the wall and hopes it sticks
1: if I had to guess, I would guess Don Yee, because Don Yee would be the person who would gain the most leverage by throwing that story, that nugget out there.
0: Oh, absolutely. And also, it's worth pointing out, too, this isn't the first time that he's brought it up. I think he mentioned it, too, like over the summer when they were negotiating with contracts, maybe before right. the start of the season. His house was for sale, I think, over the summer during training camp. So this is sort of a, a repeat of a story, but I guess it says that nothing's changed from that standpoint, and they're still going on with you know the house being for sale and Guerrero's house being for sale and, and no contract for next year, so everything's still the same. And and but then I, it's also worth noting that Brady could change his mind at any time. Maybe right now he believes that he's not going to return to the Patriots, but I guess all it would take would be one Robert Kraft phone call and and a, a blank check to get him to return. So even even if you know Schefter believes for sure that he's going to leave after this year, it can change in, in a second just just based on what could happen with the Patriots.
1: What about an ownership stake in the Patriots? That's that's another possibility too. I mean, you just look at their relationship. It's pretty hard to
0: find an owner as close to a player in sports than Robert Kraft and Tom Brady. So you know
1: why not? If, if that's what I, you, know, takes, you know you yeah. know that's I say that and then I'm like. Tom Brady is as doesn't he care. No, I think Tom Brady is as savvy and aware of the industry around him. And the reason I use that word is John Elway. And John yeah. Elway has made that jump and has not gone well. I mean nope. he's you know, he got Peyton Manning and that was great and they did win a Super Bowl. Um, but ever since Peyton Manning left, I think there would be those who say that uh, John Elway's lack of aptitude as a general manager and executive has kind of been exposed. I I would agree with that. And there are some people, not me, but I think there are
0: some people, you know, who follow the game and are fans of the game that say that his, Sort of the way he's handled things with the Broncos impacts his legacy, you know, in in football. And I think there is something to that. Like, yeah, sure, he was spectacular on the field, but people are most remembering him for what he's doing right now, which which isn't great with the Broncos. So, yeah, maybe Tom Brady looks at that and says, you know, why am I going to put myself at risk to sort of negatively impact my legacy? How small it is, it just doesn't really seem to be worth it when you're going to be doing so many other things. Um. Even the TB12 stuff, he, he doesn't doesn't necessarily
1: need to be with football. Okay. Were you there uh at Gillette on Saturday? I was. Okay. Pranking's all the rage these days. I get it, but to me, what happened with Tom Brady and the whole Netflix uh, yep. drama, I don't think it was a. Uh, I don't think it was an effort to prank anybody. I just think it was Tom Brady trying with Paul Rudd trying to be funny and. What pisses me off about all of this is, you know, and I like Dan Housley, but showing him the phone and saying, what do you think of this USA Today story? Well, what do you expect Tom to say? You know, uh, what what do you know, Dan? At, you want to ask a question, great. But this general, hey, just react for me so I can get a sound bite, is the worst example of journalism. And this story, I don't know, just the way it came off from the get-go, Has pissed me off.
0: Yeah, I I think that there can be something that should be said for the way that the questions were presented, and maybe that that led to Brady answering the way that he answered. Because, like you said, it wasn't really the standard. Like this is what happened. Like, what do you have to say? It was like, what were you thinking? Like, that's not something that a reporter should be. Saying to an athlete, and then like you said, the phone in the USA Today, and it, it just didn't seem like the proper way to go about asking it. And I wonder if the question was asked by another reporter, maybe someone who covers the team regularly, and the you know phrase better if it would have been handled differently. Um, because yeah, I, I'm with you. I
1: didn't I didn't think that it was it it, it wasn't gone about the right way. What What, what was your take on that whole? Episode and and how it came off on Netflix. How did you read that? I'm sort of with you. I didn't think that it was
0: necessarily that big of a deal. Um, he, you're probably right. He was probably trying to be funny. I don't know his what how he got to know Paul Rudd and what their relationship is, but he, we all know that Brady likes to help out his friends and and you know does,
1: does pretty much and, anything. And I think look, Brady it has a a funny bone. He, he likes to laugh. He likes to show a side of him where he's a smart ass. There definitely is that. I mean, we saw that in um, Ted 2, right? Mark Wahlberg. Tom Brady loves to have a good time. He loves to laugh. He's a buddy of, of Mark Wahlberg's. He was in Ted 2. Uh, to me, when I see that Netflix uh, show and I see what's behind it, I think of Ted 2
0: yeah i think so the part i guess that that bugged me was the blaming the media part like that just seemed to me like what what are you doing here like that just seemed like the the easy way out for him to blame the media and I, i do think he has sort of a point where people in this culture sort of jump to these conclusions without asking questions just see things and and make their own conclusions without you know furthering you know asking questions and whatever but just based off of what was shown on you know on twitter that little clip it could be understood why people made that leap so just i wish he would have gone about it a different way and maybe gone after the director the production people um for putting himself in that position because the media didn't do anything the media just went off of what they saw on twitter And, you know, any reasonable person could have made that conclusion,
1: whether it was intended to be or not. Okay, I'll buy that. Um, You got anything lined up this week on uh, the off-day pod with Andy Hart? Um
0: no, I think for just with the the short week, we'll just have a standard episode with us together, breaking down the uh, Muhammad Sanu edition. What's next for the offense? Can the defense pick it up? And then I guess look forward to the rest of the season because we're actually going to start getting some games that should be competitive. Probably not this week against the Browns, but you got the the Ravens, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Texans. That's when the schedule really starts to pick up, and I think that we'll start to get some competitive games and, and some exciting times around here.
1: From your lips to God's ears, please, for God's sake, I, I don't want to... <laughs> you know what? You don't like 30
0: with 3-0?
1: <sighs> Look, I will say this, when I'm writing the game story, it certainly makes it a lot easier because I'm done with about 8 minutes to go in the third quarter. But you're quarter. writing the
0: same thing every week, that the,
1: off, that the offense is
0: you know, getting better and the defense is unbelievable. It's the same
1: <laughs> thing every single week. Well, correct. And the other thing is, and, and anybody watching the game... Is thinking this any Patriot fan watching the game is thinking the following? Yeah, but how really good are these Patriots? They're seven and zero, right? But do we really know how good this this team is? Has the defense really been tested? I I actually think the defense is that good, but I don't know about the offense. I I just there's something nagging at me about their inability to like run consistently. Mm-hmm. Yep, that that just nags me in the, the back of my mind. But maybe I'm just looking for drama. And no, no, you're right. Though the
0: offensive line, they had st- problems from training camp.
1: Whether a fault of their
0: own, when you lose your starting center a couple weeks before the start of the season, you lose your left tackle. You're on plans, you know, C and D because you lost Jared Veldier and Brian Schwenke. So you're on, you know, guys you didn't expect to have. And now you have Marshall Newhouse playing left tackle who has, you know, he is what he is, a swing tackle, not really dependent on to start NFL games, protecting Tom Brady's blind side. Ted Karras is another one, a great, you know, backup center, but not a guy you want to have start 16 games. And I think that's impacted the whole offense it starts up front where they can't run the ball consistently and therefore they can't set up play action and protect tom brady as much as as usual so i I think that whole thing has impacted the offense and that's why they're not clicking when you average whatever what was it 2.4 yards to carry last night or it's Monday night. That's not that's not recipe for success, and and that's not what you're looking for as an offense. So I think you are you are right to question: Is, is this offense going to be good enough? Because the defense can only carry you so far. They can only you know shut out so many teams. They can only shut down. You, they can only limit strong offenses to
1: a certain number of points. They can't you know have shutouts every single week. So I was driving um, Evan Lazar and Alex Barth down to the Meadowlands. Uh, believe it or not, I actually uh, took time out of my schedule to meet them in Stamford, Connecticut and drive them like the hour and a half remaining uh to get down to the stadium on Monday night. And I was having some flashbacks um, of uh a trip out to western New York. But I wasn't quite as angry and burned out as I was on that trip to Buffalo in 2015. No? No. No, no I, I managed to hold it together. I managed to... You know, not lose it as, at a rest e- stop. E-
0: even, even going through the gridlock of New York City traffic. I tell you what. what, when did you get down there? I made like the best time I've ever made. Me as well. Up. There was no gridlock. Yeah, I, it was like three and a half hours and then stopped once.
1: And I went over the GWB and I'm sure our podcast listeners to Patriots Beat are loving this traffic update 48 hours after the fact. But, um, uh, there was no traffic. It was as easy a trip, uh, on a weekday night. As I, and I've made several trips down there during the weekdays as I've ever had. And I'm like, wow, this is a pleasant surprise. Probably because both of us got down there about five hours before the game. But still, it was nice to be able to drive down there, even uh, with two clowns in the back seat. Um, it, it was nice to be good, get down there, get settled, and uh, get ready for, you know, another nine-hour game. Uh, nine-hour... Uh, Day day at into evening at uh, MetLife Stadium, so it's all good. I can't complain.
0: Yeah, one, one thing I want to bring up. So, do you remember? I think it was the first Super Bowl we went to, the one in Arizona. Um, yeah. After, after the game, we took a picture on the field, and people joked that
1: you're the coach.
0: Now, do you feel like you're like a father to Alex and, and
1: Evan? I would say more the father, definitely the father to Alex. Yep. Uh, Evan, I'm more like the uncle. All right. I, because Evans, well, I mean, you know, Evan. He is R- smart a, guy, as smart a, a young football writer as I've ever been around, and that's not to demean anybody on the beat. Uh, there are a ton of fabulous young writers, yourself included, on the beat. Uh, but, but um, Evan is his own cat, and he looks at the game in a way that I just couldn't. Even when I was younger, I didn't have. That capability, I didn't have all. The, and we've talked about this on Patriots Beats Patriot beat um, podcast before. Um, he just has had a lot more resources at his disposal to break down the game. Uh, but with Alex Barth, and and I tease Alex all the time, and I've talked, we we, we talked about this on the drive down. Um, he just gets excited like an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old kid going to his first NFL game, and I'm like Alex. How long lower, is that going to last? Lower the volume, kid. Lower the vol. You don't need to scream into my ear as I'm driving. And um, But he's a, he's a great kid, and he is as uh, enthusiastic as any reporter. I, I will definitely say this, uh, yep. and it's not hyperbole. Uh, he is as enthusiastic a young reporter as I've ever been around.
0: That's a good quality to have, especially in this field. Where everybody seems to get you know, negative with age. That,
1: that's good. That's a
0: good thing to have.
1: There is no question about that. You can't teach that. And given the industry right now and everybody knows what we're talking about, it's a tough time to be you know, a long-term sports journalist. That is the kind of attitude you need. Well, any, anything else you want to push? No, I think just... As you walk through stuff. an airport
0: wei. Check out my stuff there. Me and Andy Hart breaking everything down every single day. Blogs, columns, podcasts, everything. Get you covered.
1: Yeah, and uh, we'll have you covered next week as we host, uh, as we entertain uh, your other partner on. So if you want to take any parting shot, this is your chance. No, to do it. just just make sure make sure you
0: get your word in because you know, like I said before, he hasn't he hasn't stopped talking. So make sure you, you set the tone and take control of the podcast and and don't let him walk all over you.
1: As we say in radio, that's a drop for me to play at the start of the podcast next week. Thanks for doing that, Ryan. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> I want to thank uh, everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, Ryan Hannibal from com. Follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Hannibal, all one word. Also want to thank our great sponsor, betonline.ag. For producer Michael and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriot Speed Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast, or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.